Hi, everybody. Welcome to the She Said What podcast with your host, Alyssa Harper. That's me. What's up? I am so excited to have you here, and I am so excited for this episode. This is truly the sex talk that I wish I had, and I think it's a sex talk that a lot of us still need to have. Um, Today, we're going to be focusing specifically on masturbation, but we're also going to be talking about toys and lube and shame and why you might feel shame around some of these topics or why it might feel even awkward that you've now looked this up and you're listening to this podcast, how religion impacts all of this and tips to help you build a strong relationship with your sexuality and your desire. And it's going to be jam packed. So get ready. I absolutely love talking about sex. Like I have always been quite comfortable with it. And I just think it's so important that we normalize um, sex and sexuality and desire and normalize things like masturbation, that it is normal and it's healthy and practicing it and becoming more comfortable with your sexual self will enhance your overall well-being. And of course, I'm going to be spicing in some of my own stories and my own experiences. So if you're related to me or you're my mother, for example, now is your time. You know, this is your disclaimer. You can pause. You can click off, maybe even close the app. That might be your safest bet. And um, everyone else, here we are. I also wanted to note that I will be referring to women and men in this podcast, but if you don't identify as either or like you aren't sure, this podcast is for you and know that you are welcome in this space. So please don't be thrown off by um, me gendering when I'm talking. Okay. All of that being said, let's get into today's podcast. Just so you guys know, okay, I did not forget but I'm not going to do a very honest thought in this episode because there's so much information here and I just don't want to be too long, but (laughs) there's going to be a lot of honesty in this episode anyways, so you're not going to be missing anything. All right, well, getting into today's podcast, talking about masturbation, let's just start there. Um, I want to say that a lot of people think that partnered sex is the best, and then masturbation is just this thing that you're forced to do if you're single, but masturbation can be more than a means to an end, and it can actually be such a beautiful experience for you to really explore and learn to trust yourself. In fact, women are more likely to orgasm during masturbation than during partnered sex. The average length of time it takes to orgasm during masturbation is four minutes in comparison to partnered sex, which is 20 minutes. Now, masturbating in itself has so many pros and there are so many reasons why you would want to masturbate. So I'm just going to list some of the pros for you now. So first of all, it relieves built up stress. It can give you better sleep, especially if you masturbate towards the time that you are going to sleep. It can help reduce menstrual cramps, which tried and tested is true. It can reduce muscle tension in basically any part of your body. It helps build self-love and respect, of course. It helps you prioritize your pleasure, which is so important. And it helps you learn what you like. So you can also communicate that to a partner, potentially, if you then want to have partnered sex. It also helps you release sexual tension, which there are, of course, a lot of reasons why you might want to release sexual tension. Um, I think if you want to wait until later in a relationship, for example, if you wanted to wait until marriage to have sex, which, you know, I fully respect a lot of the time that's going to be like a religious choice. Um, Or if you even just want to wait like later in the relationship to when you kind of know that person better, like whatever you choose there, um, it can kind of release sexual tension in the meantime. 
And of course, on top of that, when you're actually with that person, with that partner, it releases sexual tension when you guys choose not to have sex. And often when partners have different libidos, which is very common, I would say almost every couple, even season to season, are going to have different libidos. And there are going to be many reasons throughout the relationship why you might not be able to have sex, whether that's because one of the partners are traveling or you just can't see each other or there are stressors in your life that's causing you to not want to have sex at that time. They're like There are so many reasons. And I think it's really important that both partners are willing to own their sexuality because often consent is overlooked in relationships. I have personally experienced and I have heard of many other people, not just women, but many other people who in relationships have felt their partner try to convince them to have sex with them. I'm obviously not talking about my husband, just so you guys are aware. And I think when both partners are not able to own their own desires and own their own sexuality and not look to only external sources and only their person for gratification in sex, you can run into some very big issues. And consent is such um, an issue when it comes to how porn affects us and how consent isn't necessarily taught properly. And this is why there is such a push for consent. Um, Because obviously, if you're in a relationship, you do not owe someone sex. Um, I think maybe you would owe them the conversation and communication. I think any good relationship stems from good communication. Um, But obviously, you know, you don't owe them XYZ sexually. And I want to make that very clear. If you don't feel like in your relationship that you can, first of all, say no to sexual things, but also ask for things sexually, then there's definitely room for more communication in that relationship. I really wanted to take a second to speak on this and clarify this because I really wish I had someone tell me this. Just because someone does something for you sexually does not mean that you need to literally air quotes return the favor because I remember people talking like this all the time. It is very normalized and there are many things that I'm going to talk about in this episode that are actually normalized in our society. Like most people make jokes about it and talk about it like it's very normal, but these are things that we need to grow from. Um, we need to have holistic, healthy perspectives on, and there are a lot of negative and not healthy sexual perspectives and messages that we hear in society. So let's be very clear that we are going to be committed to writing a new narrative for what sex and sexuality looks like in relationships now. All right. So moving on, I went on a bit of a tangent and it was very serious, but now we're going to talk about something more fun. We're going to get back into talking about masturbation specifically and using toys for masturbation, which is something I would never have talked about maybe a few years ago or maybe even a year ago. But oh my God, guys, come on. So when we talk about masturbation, we're normally talking about touching these erogenous zones on your body. What makes them erogenous zones is that they have so many nerve endings and so they feel good to be touched. Now, this isn't just your kind of like sexual parts. It can also be things like your ears and like all these different parts of your body that when you touch it, like it gives you chills, all those kinds of things. This is what we're talking about. 
You can do this, obviously, with your hands. Your hands are very useful, okay? You can do a lot of different things with your hands when it comes to speeds and different motions and different shapes and circles and back and forth and up and down. And you can do lots with your hands, okay? But toys make things a little bit more fun and they can cause greater senses of stimulation when you use them in comparison to your hands. I used to think that the idea even of using toys was very risque. Like I had some misconceptions that I definitely believed about toys. And so I want to go through basically just two main ones that I think were probably my biggest ones um, and I think are the most common. Okay, so the first misconception is that if you have to use toys, it's because your partner isn't performing well enough or there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with the sex that either, yes, is happening with your partner or you can't do it yourself. Like there's something wrong with you. Why can't you do it without a toy? And I think we need to change the narrative to, I get to use toys to enhance my stimulation, not I have to use toys because I can't orgasm without them. And not that this has to be done with a toy, obviously, but many women can't orgasm without clitoral stimulation. Some can you know, but a lot of women can't. And instead of treating ourselves like we're too difficult, I just think we should embrace these different paths that we have to pleasure. People of any gender have multiple paths to pleasure and multiple paths to orgasm. And I think the more, the better, like that helps us create a more well-rounded and kind of gives us different experiences of what it feels like to have an orgasm in our body. I think all these different experiences of our body are so beautiful and it's so interesting. And I think we should always be finding new ways to fulfill those desires. And if that means using a toy to feel this different kind of vibration or this different kind of sucking motion or whatever it is, whatever kind of toy you're using, um, I think it's really beautiful and really interesting. And we should be open to that if it's something, of course, that we want to do. Um, I also think it's really interesting. I learned, like, honestly, not even that long ago that men have a G-spot, which is the prostate, and it's about two inches into the rectum, like towards the belly. And like what? Who? T- why did no one teach me this? And it's similar to me. It was kind of similar to like how men genuinely sometimes aren't taught about the clitoris on women and people joke about it, but it's actually a thing. Like the education system is just not good. But like when I learn new stuff like that, it's really interesting. I think we should be more open to learning about each other, learning about ourselves and just exploring ourselves. And that's the end of my little spiel on that. <laughs> the other misconception was that, okay, if I use a vibrator or if I use it too much, will I then not be able to orgasm anymore from touch, from just touch with my fingers? And I actually thought that at one point. I remember thinking that because even with vibrators and stuff, like if you use them for long periods of time, um, as in like in one actual sitting, I guess, if you will. Um, (laughs) Or if you, you know, use them at a really high um, pressure or intensity, they can create like a bit of like a numbing sensation. And I remember I used to literally think like, oh my gosh, am I like killing off nerve endings? But the answer is no. So when you're using a vibrator or any toy, you're not cutting off any nerve endings or overstimulating them. 
all you're doing is, especially if it's a repeated behavior, you are starting to create muscle memory around using one. Your body's just getting used to having an orgasm that way. Introducing a toy into your sex life, you're not limiting your options. If anything, you are just opening your options up and you're creating more experiences for yourself. For example, say you're using a vibrator. If you ever feel like you become too reliant on the vibrator, you can try it sometime without using a vibrator. Try masturbating without it and just see how it feels. Like it's actually a chance for you to kind of break your normal, I guess, routine and try different things. Try like tapping motions and circular motions and touching around the area rather than just jumping straight into the most sensitive spot and doing what you normally do. Like again, all these things can be completely different experiences for you. So So feel open to just then trying it without, because I think you'll be surprised at how much you haven't lost that ability to masturbate without the toy. And um, don't look at this with like a fear-based mindset. Like I think if you're going to look at your sex life at all with a fear-based mindset, you're already going to go into it, like kind of setting yourself up for I want to say failure, but I don't mean by failure. I don't even mean not having an orgasm because the goal doesn't necessarily always have to be to have an orgasm when you're having either masturbation or partnered sex. But I think you're not setting yourself up for the best experience overall anyways. So in summary, don't be scared. Just try one if you want to try one and live your best life. Okay. I think it's so important that we normalize them. And the reason why we don't want to have shame around things like toys and lube and masturbation in general is because people end up hurting themselves by using the wrong products. You know what I'm talking about. Like you don't want to be one of those ends up in the ER, doctor has to, no, no, okay. People are out here putting random objects into their body that are obviously not meant to go into their bodies. And this can actually be really dangerous and also just like not super sanitary and not really good for your body in general. Another thing is that people end up using instead of lube, using creams, moisturizers, things like that, which if it's not made for sex, you probably don't want to be using it for sex. Okay. I'm just going to say it. That's it. (laughs) When it comes to buying a toy, let me just give you a little, little tippies here just because these are things I wish I knew. You can order them online in discreet packaging. Like there are many companies that do it that way. Just so you know, just helping a girl out or a boy out or a whoever out, you know, I would say, look, if you're going to buy your first one, I would say start small, maybe like a small little vibrator, you know, maybe something with multiple speeds so you can play around. And of course it doesn't have to be a vibrator. Okay. I'm just saying start small, maybe start like with, if you have a a higher budget, that's great. But if you have a lower budget, you can start with something smaller, something really simple. The reason I would say multiple speeds is so that you can see what it feels like when it's really strong and when it's not, because if it's really just intense, like a really, really intense vibrator that only has one setting, I could imagine would be a, a lot when you're first starting out. The other thing is it, and it doesn't have to be a vibrator. Okay. It can be something like a clitoral stimulator, which is usually the ones that it's kind of like a bit of a sucking motion. Um, and that one will be a completely different experience to a vibrator. Sometimes you can even connect it to an app and you can have your partner control it with an app. Oh my God, the fun guys. Okay. Think about it. The opportunities here. So exciting. You can also get couple toys. You can get penis rings, like cock rings, um, that vibrate, which men tend to, you know, enjoy, but also it basically turns their penis into like 
a vibrator. Like, guys, think about it. <laughs> like, there's so many things that you could do. And you can also get toys that you can insert into your vagina or anus or, you know, basically wherever you want to put it. Just be careful as well if you're going to get something that you're going to insert into um, the back door that it's flared at the end, okay? Because she'll get lost. She will, she'll be scooped up and she'll be gone forever, okay? That's not what you want. And for penis stimulation, and I'm trying to think, I think this is the only thing you'd probably use it for. Um, you can get Tanga eggs, which Tanga is just a very popular brand for these. Um, they have like full on contraptions that you can get that can make masturbating way more fun for men as well. And again, it's, it's similar to like using a vibrator. Like it's just a different sensation. It's a different type of um, feeling texture on your penis. And that will feel a lot different. That's probably all the examples that I will give of different things that you can get. Um, there are so many good websites that you can go on and you can look to see stuff and it's not sketchy. It's not this embarrassing, like shameful thing. These are just tools that you can use doing the things that you're already doing or want to try doing. Um, I would try to support a company that you also agree with their values. So like for me, that would be a company that's very inclusive and very sex positive, all that, you know? So that would be something that I'd recommend. And obviously as well, get some lube. So I want to talk about lube quickly. So what you'd want to look for in a lube is that it's water-based, especially if you're going to be using it with your toys. Do not use silicone-based lubes with your toys. It will literally hurt your toys. Do not do that. I, I believe it will actually like erode them. It's been explained to me before. Don't do that, okay? It will say on the packaging if it's water-based um, or you can always ask if you're in store or like look in the information when you're shopping online, you'll see it there, okay? Water-based is also a lot nicer because it just washes off easier. It's not gonna be like sticky on you or oily on you. Like I just find it's a lot more user-friendly, especially because you can pair it with toys and you know, that's just my, that's just my suggestion. Of course, you guys can do whatever you want, but there, that's mine. <laughs> that's what I have to say. You can often also buy lube wherever you can buy condoms. So for me, like I've literally seen lube at the grocery store here in Australia, and I believe I've seen it at home as well at something like um, Shoppers Drug Mart or like The Chemist, that kind of vibe. You want to make sure that it is going to be like pretty good quality, you know, like a maybe like a nice one. I would get a nice one um, and that it's clean and that you can read the label and feel comfortable with it. And, you know, maybe it says on there like, no, this, no, that I usually go for something like that. Maybe that's me and maybe it's marketing, but I like to make sure that my products are clean and like fragrance free and dye free and all that good stuff. And can I just say, <laughs> lube changes the whole game, okay? If you're not using lube, which I didn't use lube for basically my whole sex life before my current partner, who's my husband, um, what the heck was I doing? Like, guys, get on it. Come on. And yes, of course, you can use spit. But now when I think about that, I'm just like, why? Why not just use lube? Like, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to get spit like that. Like, why? <sighs> you. Ew, kind of grosses me out. If you're into it, then, you know, that's great. But not my vibe. 
lube has helped tremendously as well when it comes to pain during sex, which is something I used to experience quite a lot um, and something I had to work through, but it just feels so much better, y'all. Like, come on. Now, let me explain to you why I never bought lube in the past. I think I kind of wanted to or like I thought about it, but I was always always like, no, no, I can't. Even when I was having sex consistently, you know, back in the day, because I just felt like if I'm not meant to be having sex, because obviously these are my, you know, religious beliefs and whatnot at the time, I was like, if I'm not meant to be having sex, then I shouldn't be buying lube because if I'm buying lube, that means I'm planning to have sex, which means I'm like planning to sin. You know, that's how I thought about it. So this is another reason literally why a lot of Christians, I will say specifically, that's my experience. It could be other religions and, you know, other people as well, or just even parents and households where you grow up in where they aren't very sex positive people in a lot of the time these situations end up getting pregnant because they same thing they don't want to buy condoms you know or that you get things like stis as well they don't want to buy condoms because they think you know buying a condom means i'm planning to have sex which means i'm planning to sin and what i'm not telling you is to have sex or not to have sex this is a personal choice that i want you to make but let me tell you something and this is important so listen up okay One of my biggest regrets sexually as a married woman who has always had spirituality as a huge focus in my life is not that I didn't have sex before marriage. Okay. The big regret is not, Oh, I wish I, I wish I didn't have sex. I shouldn't have had sex. It's ruined my marriage. No. Okay. It's not true. That wasn't true for me at all. At least I can say, okay, that was not the regret. The regret is that I let myself cry over having sex when I wanted to that I shamed myself for making my own choices, that I wasted time letting myself be controlled by either the church I went to or the beliefs of the people around me or this fear of being judged. I wish I would have had someone tell me, look, masturbation is healthy. It's normal. It's natural. Sexual desires are normal and healthy. And here's how you do that safely. Here's how you say yes. And here's how you say no. Okay, so hopefully if you haven't heard these things before, you're hearing them now because I wish I had someone to tell me these things. And I do think this is why it's really important that we encourage these conversations when kids are young. Like I can tell you guys personally, okay, I started masturbating when I was like, I want to say like 11 or 12, like I was really, really young and I didn't even know what I was doing. Honestly, I feel like it was like even younger than that. I can't even remember. Um, I thought it was so bad and I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I didn't even know what it was. I kind of like discovered it and I had never seen porn. Like I didn't know what it was, but I just did it. Like I just did it all the time. Like I did it before bed. I I knew it felt shameful to me because I knew it was something that I hadn't seen anyone else do. And that's, I think why there was potentially some shame there. But if look, if someone had just said, this is something that you might want to do. It's something that's kind of a part of a lot of people's lives sexually. And it's something that you're going to experience, you know, as you get older, but here's what this is. And if you want to do it, you can do it. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. And to have someone say to me, you know, as you get a little bit older and as you grow up, like this is what some people might do. And if you don't like it, you know, you don't have to do it. And then obviously then as you get older, the conversation should progress when it comes to education, whether that's coming from a parent, coming from the education system, wherever we get it in there, it's got to be in there. I think as a parent, and I've only thought about this now since I've been married and I start to have these conversations with my husband, like 
when do we start talking to our kids about those subjects? And I think it should be talked about, honestly, from a very young age. I just think the conversation progresses, yes, as the child gets older. This would have saved me from a lot of shame, guys, <laughs> a lot of confusion and just like, like embarrassment. Um, and I can't believe I'm sharing this with you guys, but this is what the podcast is all about. Okay. This is where all the secrets come out. Um, when I was little, I kept this calendar and every time that I would masturbate again, me not even knowing what was going on, I would like cross a, like an X over the day. Like it was like a paper calendar. And I would literally be so disappointed. Oh my God, if I did it more than once in a day, oh my God, no. I like wouldn't even eat. Like it was crazy. Like imagine, imagine if someone had just told me, like um, imagine, <laughs> it was horrible, you know? And I've actually heard pretty similar stories as well of other um, kids doing that when they're younger. But of course this isn't everyone's experience. Like some people, it goes completely the other way. Many people don't like masturbating, okay? Or maybe have never tried it and they're in their 20s, they're in their 30s. Like people, you know, or they haven't had sex at that time even. Like it's very normal, okay? Everything's normal. <laughs> Everything's healthy. Trying new things is healthy. But also wanting to wait to try things or being scared to try things, that's also normal. So I want to point out here as well, if you've been listening to this whole podcast and you've been thinking, oh my God, I haven't done it yet, or I don't even know how I would start, or what do I do, or ah, like, it's okay, okay? No matter where you're at in this journey, like, it's okay. This podcast has just been filled with heart to hearts, and I just love it for us. And so what I want to do now is talk about porn. Let's move on, because... This is a really big topic and I have asked before on my Instagram, like I've done polls with you guys and kind of asked you like, oh, what do you guys think? Like, do you watch it? Would you recommend it? All this stuff. And there are like very varying views on this topic. And so I want you to know that I respect you regardless of like what you think on this topic. This is just going to be me sharing like my two cents and kind of where I've basically ended up when it comes to the discussion of porn. So do I recommend watching porn? No, sorry if it's something that you are like a big lover of, but I'm just going to talk about it for just a little bit of time here. Um, so of course, no, I do not um, support it personally, but should there be any judgment towards those who do? No, like should it still be available to those who want to? Yes, I think it's a personal decision. My choice is research-based and experience-based. That's where I'm coming from. Um, why not? I'm going to give you a few reasons here. And then at the end, I'm going to give you guys a resource as well that you can check out. Um, it's they're non-religious, which is really cool. And they're really about education rather than pushing like an agenda. So be ready to jot that down later in the episode, but I'm just going to take you through now a few reasons why I don't recommend watching porn. Porn acts like a drug on your brain, like physiologically, biologically, the way it actually <laughs> works on your brain. It's quite addictive. It can be extremely addictive. I personally have never had a porn addiction, okay? So that's where I'm coming from, but know that it's very common in men and women, okay? So it is also very common in women. And if you have ever had a porn addiction, you know how much it affects like your confidence, your whole life. Like it really is something that can feel very, very shameful and gonna really tear a person apart. Um, and I just think it's really important to let you guys know that it is common and there are things that you can do to break that addiction. Okay. Many porn sites 
I would be talking about ones like Pornhub and a lot of the big ones here, um, feature and fund sexual abuse. If you haven't read anything about this, there have been many sexual assault survivors that have really had to fight to get their sexual assault footage literally taken off of the platform, um, some not succeeding to get it taken down. And another way that it contributes to sexual abuse is that porn rarely includes a conversation around consent. Porn often portrays sex to be something that it is not. Porn sets a standard for what sex should look like and should sound like and so much more. Imagine if we didn't have porn, you know, like genuinely think about it. Our whole like intro to sex, at least for me, and I think even if it wasn't from watching porn, but hearing other people talk about sex because they've watched porn, our whole like intro to sex and how we live our sex life would look so different if we didn't have porn. And if that kind of like standard wasn't set for us. But I'm telling you guys, once you start having sex not based off porn, like not trying to mimic what you've seen in porn, y'all, like chef's kiss, okay? It's <laughs> That's just what I personally believe on it. And some of the points that I gave, I know there are platforms that are ran by specific people that are very clear on making sure that the content um, doesn't have any abuse or anything like that in it. You can even find porn sites where there is like consent in the videos, all those kinds of things. There are better options, I think, when it comes to porn in comparison to something like Pornhub. But for the, you know, the other reasons that I listed, I still wouldn't go and promote anyone watching porn or personally choose it for myself. And to close out this topic, I wanted to add as well that I also find that it takes away like the focus <laughs> of exploring yourself. Like it actually isn't as enjoyable in comparison to when you masturbate and you're comfortable with it and you have things that make you really enjoy it. Some of those things I'm going to talk about towards the end, but things like lighting and like music and all those kind of things that can really make it like a really fun, enjoyable, lovely experience. Like porn is so distracting <laughs> and it, if it doesn't connect to you, it can actually like ruin the experience. And I'm personally someone where a lot of the times, anytime I've watched porn or a lot of the times where I have watched porn, it just makes me feel really gross and it just isn't actually something I enjoy anyways. Again, I'm not saying that if you watch porn, you are gross. I would never say that. I just think that for me, it doesn't really even really feel that right to me. And on top of like all the stats and all the things that I know that it can actually do to people. And like, I've researched it so much to the point that I'm just like, I can't convince myself that it's good. Um, but again, that's just, you know, my perspective. One last thing I want to talk about before I give you guys some practical steps on actually using some of the information you learned today is to talk about shame and where it could potentially be coming from. I've obviously already talked about the lack of education and the kind of like messages that we get from society that speak into sexuality and it being this negative, like awkward thing to talk about. But especially for those of you that are listening that are Christian or are religious, I want to just talk quickly about how the Bible kind of plays into it and why. Some churches or Christians that you know might tell you or think that masturbation is wrong and it isn't biblical. 
what I think is really important with any issue in, you know, the church or anything that is considered a sin or you're not really allowed to do as a Christian, or you've been kind of told, or it's made out like, you know, you probably shouldn't do this, or that's the thing we don't really talk about. I think it's really important that you challenge those things. If you are a Christian, um, to challenge what those things are and to find out, okay, what verses are actually speaking on these topics? You know, why are we actually saying this is a bad thing? Like where kind of, where's my proof, you know, like make it a Bible study, like be serious about it. Because I think sometimes you think, oh, things are just there in the Bible, black and white, so obvious. And then you look into it and you're like, oh, okay, there's actually a lot of gray areas. And if I consistently just believe what the people in my church believe or the people around me believe, I think you'll be surprised, similar to how I was when you start to actually look into all the verses, how not black and white things are. So (laughs) there's one verse in the Bible that you can look it up. If you literally look up like Bible masturbation, like verse or whatever, you'll find it there. It's literally one verse and it talks about a man spilling his seed. <laughs> that's the, that's the part that everybody's like, oh, they're talking about masturbation. Um, a lot of theologians don't believe that they're talking about masturbation. Um, they think they're actually talking about partnered sex and it's, it's a bit of a confusing verse. Basically, there's a lot of people that just don't believe it's talking about masturbation. And that's literally the only verse. Um, and it is specifically about, about a man. So it's interesting. There isn't anything in the Bible at all about female masturbation. And on top of those Christian beliefs, even in the 18th century, it was especially bad for women, where women were seen to potentially have mental health issues if they were known to be masturbating or if they told anyone they had been masturbating. Um, They were told it could cause blindness and it could cause infertility and a whole bunch of other issues, which obviously it's not true today. But I just think it's interesting to know, you know, where the root of some of these things come from and why it could potentially feel shameful to so many of us and how that kind of trickle down effect potentially could be why we actually still have some of those limiting beliefs today. All right. That's basically all of the information I want to give you guys. I want to talk now about what you can do, like where you're at. I want you to start kind of taking a second here to, if you haven't had the chance to take any notes or do anything throughout this podcast where you're writing, like I would encourage you to write something down now, like get your phone out to write something down, be ready. Cause I want you to reflect on where you're at and what you can do moving forward to make this part of your life uh, more interesting and bigger and better and something you are really growing into. If this is something that you want and this is something that you want to get more and more comfortable with, like let's, if we can take a second or you can just listen now and do it later, of course. Um, but take a second to assess where you're at. So maybe you listened to this podcast and you have never masturbated ever. And I know like quite a few girls who haven't. And so this isn't, you know, this isn't crazy. You're not alone if you're in that um, place, but whether it's because it just feels weird for you or for some people, it's that they've had a negative sexual experience in the past. um, That's kind of caused you to distance yourself from your sexuality. Um, I understand that can be very complicated, um, but maybe that's one of the reasons. Maybe you just generally have like a lower, libido thing is you're listening to this podcast, right? So you're at least interested in this topic. And if it's something that you want to do, I would say that's your homework is to get into it 
slowly. Um, and I want to give a few little tips that many people have kind of reported. I've looked around, I've talked to some people and I've looked at some studies of things that have helped people kind of get in the mood and these things might help you. So first of all, putting aside some time for it and really prioritizing yourself. I think when you set it in and you tell yourself you're going to set some time towards something, it really shows yourself that you value that time. Um, and I think that really sets you up well. Also having the space and obviously then the privacy. So if, you know, say your bedroom isn't a really private space, like the bathroom where like you have a bath or a shower, like that is often a space where people kind of start. Like, I know this sounds weird, but like, that's a really common thing just because a lot of other places in your house, you might not have privacy. Um, another thing is mood lighting or like lighting a candle, which will obviously activate, um, a nice sense as well of smell. So that's interesting. Also, another one is going in with an open mind. I think this one is so important going in with an open mind, not making the experience goal based or with having orgasm as the outcome. And also to not have it goal-based in the sense of looking a certain way. Again, this goes back to what we talked about earlier with porn and how it sometimes sets that standard of what we think we're meant to look like or like what sexy looks like. I think just basically throwing all that away and telling yourself that this is a moment for you to feel this space and to try something new and it's a positive thing and really giving yourself the space and the time and the energy, like that really shows you that you're ready to try something and it really sets you up for a positive experience. And of course, like if you don't enjoy it the first time or it's a little bit weird or, you know, you, you don't have an orgasm or whatever, like that's again, very normal and it might be a little bit of a process for you and that's perfectly fine. The second kind of person I have in mind is you've been having sex with a partner regularly, but you don't really seem to enjoy it that much, or you just feel like you don't know what you like, or you O-block yourself, like you orgasm block yourself, and you don't want to make faces or you don't want to feel embarrassed. A really good thing to do is to use masturbation to basically practice. Like it really is practice and practice whatever it is that you're struggling with here. Like if you notice that when you are with your partner, you always stop yourself right before you orgasm, like you giggle or you get uncomfortable. Practice having an orgasm when you're masturbating and picture yourself with your partner and get more used to it and just doing it on your own. And then when you're with a partner, it'll likely be a lot easier. If it's the actual pleasure or just like knowing what you like that you're struggling with, it's again, really good to practice on your own. Like when you're with a partner, you're thinking so many things potentially, especially if you don't know them very well, you're not comfortable with them or you've just started dating or you're not dating or whatever your situation it can be uncomfortable sometimes to ask people to try things with you. And I think if you know that you potentially like it on your own, it's so much easier to come back and communicate that to your partner. And like mutual masturbation can be a great way to show someone what you like. And so if you guys want an episode in the future talking more about partnered sex specifically, like that will definitely be in there. And the last kind of person or situation I want to touch on is if there are internal things that are blocking you from masturbating, things like shame, guilt, um, you know, religious beliefs, things like that. Maybe for you, the big issue is that you enjoy it or you know how to make yourself have an orgasm, but you automatically feel bad afterwards or you feel guilty, you feel shameful because that one's really common. 
it doesn't always have to be a religious thing. It can be just that you had no one ever tell you that it's okay. So you never really knew what you were doing or it was just uncomfortable for you. I think a really good way to actually process these internal things is to take a step back. Maybe when you do masturbate, you can think about these things, but it's actually really good to do it outside of the context of masturbation, asking yourself what messages you grew up with when it came to sex and masturbation and pleasure and all these kind of like key words, what kind of messages did you grow up with? Literally sitting there writing them down. Like if you're writing it down now, you know, maybe pause this or do it at the end where you literally write down specific messages that you remember any conversations that you had growing up about sex with your parents or with family members, all that kind of stuff. Things you heard like on the playground, like things that you learned for the first time, write those things down and assess for yourself, are these positive messages that I want to continue believing about sex and my sex life and, you know, sexuality? Are these things I really want to hold on to? Or are these things that I need to basically update and freshen up in my mind and kind of clear out? Are these messages I want to get rid of? Because you'll be surprised when you actually start doing this. And this is something that I actually learned from a sexologist that I was seeing for a while was that there are actually so many messages that we have that just sit in our mind about sex that we aren't really aware of until we start doing this. And we're like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I think that, or that's so sexist, or like, where did that come from? And it's really, really good to kind of heal those messages outside of the context, because then it just makes your sex life so much better. And I just think it's such a good exercise regardless. So just give it a go, see how you go. And then look, lastly, like I just mentioned, um, if this is quite a struggle for you, and you feel like fully lost about it, you feel like you've tried everything and you don't know how to work on this issue, I would recommend seeing a sexologist or a counselor who can really help you look at these beliefs that you have and they can help you pick apart what those beliefs are because sometimes it can be hard to do on your own. Um, They can help kind of jog your memory, you know, and ask you very specific questions. When I first got married, I saw a sexologist for a while because I realized how many limiting beliefs and destructive beliefs I took on because of some of the conservative religious people in my life and like that kind of area in my life. Um, Also from negative sexual experiences that I had in the past and just messages that I got from society. So it wasn't just all, you know, the church. It was honestly just all of the influences that I had around me. I had already had sex before I got married. I had sex with some people, some I dated, some I didn't, some were men, some were not, you know? And then obviously my husband who we were just dating at the time, but especially for my husband and I, it was a very like shameful journey when we were dating because some of you know this, but we met when we were at Bible college. So we were at a Christian college and imagine me like super liberal, super open. Like they did not like me. I remember on one of the first days they were talking about girls posting um, like photos of themselves on Instagram and like bikini pics and stuff. And it was like, it was weird because it was like in a mess. But it was more like an information session around how you are meant to act when you go to the college. Also, if you haven't been a part of a church at all in your life, when I say message, I mean like a sermon. Like it was kind of like a part of a sermon. Anyways, I just remember being like, uh oh, I really do be posting my ass on Instagram. So (laughs) we're off to a rocky start, to say the least. So when it came to my husband and I not being married yet, of course, sex wasn't meant to be a part of our life, especially being part of the college. Um, And we knew it was like risky. Like we knew we could literally get in trouble for it, which sounds kind of crazy now. But, you know, in theory, we were meant to wait until we got married. 
But, you know, because of the way that some people were there and basically someone had said something, someone basically found out that we were having sex um, and we did like get in trouble for it. Like we had to have like a meeting. It was called like a pastoral care meeting where you go in and they talk to you and they're like, so what have you been up to? And, you know, it wasn't ideal. It definitely like freaked us out. It made us feel really bad about it. It was like a very shameful moment. We like almost got kicked out. Like it was, it was not ideal. Um, we didn't end up having to pay it, but like people have had to pay like $50 fines like per person when stuff like that has happened before. Like I've talked about it before um, in other episodes, but even with like drinking, like you weren't allowed to drink, you weren't allowed to smoke, you weren't allowed to do anything. And if you did do these things, like you would potentially have to like pay fines, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, we had to both write like an essay on like why we knew it was bad and like basically how we weren't going to have sex until we got married, apparently. Also, you know, it's another really interesting thing that happened to us, which I wasn't going to share about this because it's kind of off topic, but I'm just giving you guys the tea. Okay. Once we got called in for a meeting, actually, this is really interesting. I got called in for a meeting. He wasn't actually at the meeting. Only I was asked to come in and it was because someone had basically told on us that they had seen us sit under a blanket together. Sorry, under a blanket together. Like, oh, it was bad. So if you want to talk about shame, oh, that was my story. So that's, I think for me, why it was very shameful. Like it felt very, very shameful to the point that even when we were married, when we first got married, it was just such a weird thing because I think a lot of Christians think that the moment you get married, it's going to be like this big jump and suddenly you're going to be like sexually like so free, but it's like, nothing really happens, you know, it's just in theory, now you're allowed to have sex. And, um, that's when I think I realized I needed to see a sexologist. I needed to work through these issues because like it was not healthy. And so I'd really encourage you guys, like if you have had any of this happen to you, where whether it's just been from like societal beliefs or um, from something your parents have said to you or um, religion or anything where you feel like you are just confused and like stressed around the idea of sex, seeing a sexologist is amazing and it will help you so much. We even worked through um, pain during sex, which is really common for women as well with um, penetrative sex. And we worked through it and we even talked about specific things to do during sex to help it and lube and normalizing all these things that we needed to get going in our sex regime. And it was really, really good. And it was so life-giving and I would so recommend it. So again, if you guys want an episode about partnered sex, I could potentially even get my husband on here and we can talk all about that stuff. So that would be a fun one. Let me know if you want it because I am down. And specifically when it comes to healing that shame feeling around masturbating, other things that I've heard people use that have been apparently really helpful is, of course, to practice when it comes to masturbation and um, even when it comes to getting these thoughts clear in your mind and kind of renewing these thoughts in your mind. Um, taking some deep breaths before and after, even doing that with a partner can be really helpful, especially when it comes to like anxiety during sex, um, especially if you've had had negative sexual experiences in the past, that's a really, really good one. Um, having a positive affirmation to say before and after sex. Some people don't like the whole affirmation thing, but I like it. So if that helps you, that is a really helpful one. Also having sex positive mentors to look up to, I think is so important. And even just following people on social media that are sex positive and getting that kind of language like 
kind of in your vocabulary, I think is really important. I think also talking about it with someone that you trust and getting to know your body, like getting a mirror and like getting up in there (laughs) and forming a connection with your sexuality can be such a beautiful thing and can really help bridge that gap for you. And guys, I think that's basically it for today's episode. This was a long one. It was jam-packed. I hope you feel like you got something out of today's episode. I want to quickly give you guys that resource. It's a website. They also have like Instagram and, you know, all the socials, Um, but it's called Fight the New Drug. And it's a non-religious, non-legislative, non-for-profit organization that gives individuals the opportunity to make informed decisions regarding porn. And I think it's, it's honestly so good. I've read so much on there. They have have amazing articles on like the psychology of porn, how to quit, like so, so much. So honestly, I would just go right over there if you guys are interested in it. And like, like I said earlier, just like follow them on Instagram so that every so often you see one of their stories or you see one of their feed posts and you get something small from it. Like it's actually just good to have in your vocabulary and to learn more. Saying that, I hope you guys learned something today and that you feel empowered to go and explore yourself and have fun and be safe. And today I really tried to stay on the topic of masturbation, okay? But if you guys want to hear more about things like mutual masturbation, solo masturbation versus partnered sex, and where the balance is when you're in a relationship, and performance anxiety, and feeling anxious or nervous during sexual experiences, more about libido and how your everyday life plays into your sexual experiences, fun things you can do as a couple to get to know each other more sexually and more dm me or reach out whatever let me know that you guys want that episode because it's one of those ones that's kind of sitting there it's kind of waiting let me know because i would love to do it if you guys want to message me on instagram for that or for anything else to see me over there my instagram is in the show notes and it's also in the show description If you guys like this podcast, you can do me a huge favor by going on to Apple Podcasts and rating and reviewing it. That really helps me and it helps other people see the show. And also, if you feel comfortable like sharing it on any of your socials or on your stories, anything like that, and getting that conversation going within your friend group, like that can be so powerful. Or even if you just start asking questions on your stories or in your friend groups or in your family, like just moving this conversation into your life, that is literally all I could ever ask for. And that's what I really want to encourage. And that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good rest of your day. Bye.